Well, it would be my joy if you would join me in Luke 24, towards the end of our time in Luke. Uh, we've come to the, the end of the Gospel of Luke, and in this story, it's the longest story in the Gospel. It's the longest story, and I don't think that's by accident. I think Luke is wanting to show us in beautiful detail that all of Luke has been driving to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And not just all of Luke. But he's trying to show us, and Jesus himself is showing us, that all of the Bible has been driving to Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. So we read this in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us today, Lord, that you would help us join in with these disciples to walk with Jesus, to hear from Jesus to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus. Lord, just as we sang, Lord, I pray that we would see your plan of redemption, 
your plan to redeem a people, how your plan, Father, it unfolded through Jesus Christ who lived, died, and rose again that we might be redeemed by him. So Lord, help us see Jesus today. Every one of us, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes to see the glory and the beauty and the grace of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I grew up going to church. Probably like many of you, I grew up going to church. Grew up first born in First Baptist Church, Somerset, Kentucky. And then after a few years, we moved to Bowling Green, where I went to Eastwood Baptist most of my life. I had perfect attendance at all the VBSs. I mean, right now, I've made all the Fruit Loop necklaces. I've made all the Salvation bracelets. I, I've made the uh, Popsicle crosses. I can even see the pictures of the Bible characters on Feltboard right now in my head. The first songs I ever knew when I was a kid were songs like, Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves the little children and digging up bones by Randy Travis. Not all Christian, you know, not all. I grew up around the things of Jesus, yet for a long time I missed Jesus. It could happen to any of us here today. Now, some of us, maybe we don't know Jesus because the, the church is new to you. Hearing about the Bible is new. Even Jesus is new to you. But, but others of us can be deceived. Where maybe you've grown up in church your whole life. Maybe you've read the Bible and you've learned all the hymns and all the children's songs. Maybe your parents talked about Jesus. Maybe your dad was a, a pastor, your mom a Sunday school teacher, your, somebody in your family, your uncle was a deacon. You, you've been around Jesus, your whole life, you've been around Jesus so much that you assume you know Jesus. But maybe even this morning, you're missing Jesus. This morning, we come to the most, one of the most beautiful passages in the Gospel of Luke, one of my favorite passages. It's the longest story in the Gospel, and it's not by accident because Luke wants to draw out every detail in this passage that we might see Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is drawing our mind's attention, our heart's affection to the truth that it's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is saying, don't miss it. it. It's all about Jesus. The whole Bible, the whole Testament, really all of life is about Jesus. Today, I want us not just to open up the Bible and watch two men walking down the road with Jesus. No, I want us to join them. I want us to, to join them. I don't have any points today. I just want the Holy Spirit to invite us on this journey with Jesus. Because listen, every single person that comes to Jesus must take this journey must take this journey from unbelief to belief. From, from loving this world to seeing and treasuring Jesus. 
from being blind to seeing that Jesus, it's all about Jesus. It's amazing as we enter into this story that you can be close to Jesus and you can miss Jesus. It's now Sunday afternoon and two of his followers, two of his disciples are taking a walk to Emmaus. It's a city, it says in the passage, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And so it's been a couple of days since Jesus hung on a cross on Good Friday. And, and even this morning, just hours ago, the women were at the empty tomb and came running to tell them. So these two guys were there listening to the women say that the tomb is empty. And these men, they can't stop talking about it. They can't stop thinking about it. All of Jerusalem, it says, can't stop talking about it. Everybody knows about it. When all of a sudden, this man that they don't recognize walks alongside of them on the journey and asks them, because they're obviously in a deep discussion, they're obviously debating something. He says, hey, what, what are you all talking about? The Bible says in verse 17, and they stood still looking sad. Think about this. They're walking and they come to a complete stop. Startled, kind of surprised at this question. And they're still sad because of the cross. And Cleopas speaks up. He says, are you the only visitor? You can almost hear his frustration a little bit. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? He's saying, has your head been in the sand? Have you been living under a rock? Everybody knows what happened. Everybody's talking about what happened. It seems like the opportune time for Jesus to speak up and say, of course, I know what happened. Of course I know what happened because I'm the one it happened to. I'm the one it happened to. I was betrayed by my closest friends. I was rejected by the religious leaders. I was put on trial before Pilate. I was the one that was mocked. I was the one that was rejected. I was the one beaten and whipped. I was the one crucified under my father's wrath. My head hasn't been in the sand. No, I was buried in a tomb. But this morning I rose again. It's, it's me. It's me, Jesus. But that's not what happens. It's not what Jesus does. In fact, verse 16 says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. For some reason, Jesus keeps them from seeing Jesus. Keeps Jesus from seeing that it's him because he wants to take them on this journey to behold his glory. Instead, Jesus, wanting to hear their heart, to expose the unbelief in their heart, says, what things have happened? What are you talking about? What things? They say concerning Jesus of Nazareth, in verse 19. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, 
and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Notice the problem's not that they rejected the Bible. The problem's not that they didn't believe the Old Testament scriptures. It's not because they never read the Bible before. It's obvious in their words that they have. They had gone to the synagogue since they were little to hear people read from the Old Testament. In fact, they probably have been around the Bible their whole lives. It's not that they rejected what the Bible taught. Instead, they missed what the Bible taught. They they had a partial understanding of the Bible, and a partial understanding of the Bible is enough to miss Jesus. They had a partial understanding of the Bible, and that's enough to miss Jesus. Did you hear the words that they were speaking? They were so close to Jesus. They say, oh, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. What do they mean by the one? The one everybody's been talking about and waiting on. See, they knew that in the Old Testament that the people of God had been promised a redeemer. They were longing, all of Israel was longing for the Christ. The promised Messiah, who would come in the line of David, who would finally come and rescue Israel from Rome. But what they missed is they had zero expectations of him ever dying on a cross. Zero expectations of him ever being rejected by his own people, being buried in a tomb and rising again. And the irony of it all, did you hear what they said? They said, you know what? The the women got up early this morning. The the other disciples even. And they went this morning to the tomb. And they saw that the tomb was empty. They, They saw some angels. But they didn't see him. I mean, the irony, Jesus is standing right in front of them. And they miss Jesus. They can't see it's Jesus. We can do the same thing this morning, can't we? I'm sure it happens every Sunday when we gather. You can grow up in church your whole life. You can be here every Sunday, and yet you can miss Jesus. You can hear sermons about the cross. You can celebrate Easter every single year, and yet you can miss Jesus. You can grow up in a family who who sings about Jesus in the kitchen. You can grow up in a family where, where you hear sermons about Jesus, talk about Jesus, and miss Jesus. You can even sing this morning, Behold the wondrous mystery." The Father's plan unfolding in Jesus and yet miss the good news of Jesus Christ. How does this happen? How how can you be so close to Jesus, so close to his church and miss Jesus? 
like these two disciples who missed Jesus, like, like I did growing up, being around the, the Bible, being around the church, and yet missing Jesus. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Remember the Charlie Brown cartoons where the teacher would say, wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. You're like, I don't know. What, what is going on? I had no clue what Charlie Brown's teacher is saying, but yet Charlie Brown is listening. He, he's un- understanding every word, and he responds to her because he hears her. Yet I don't know what she's saying. That was b- me in the church growing up. That was me hearing sermons when I was younger. I, I knew the words. I, I understood them with my mind, but yet not in my heart. My heart hadn't been opened to see Jesus. You know, one way I, I see people missing Jesus, opening the Bible, listening to the Bible, and, and missing Jesus is thinking that the Bible is about you. Thinking that you're the hero in the story that it's pointing to you. Where you read the Bible and you see yourself as the hero. It's about what you are doing, about how you should be obeying God. And if you obey Him, if you do good things, if you go to church, if you're a nice person, then God will love you. If you're meek like Moses, or daring like Daniel, or devoted like David, then you get to go to heaven. Listen, if you think the Bible is about you being good, or about you getting you to heaven, you're missing the whole Bible. If it's it's riding on you to save yourself, to redeem yourself, If you think the Bible is about you, you're missing the Bible, and you're missing Jesus. That's why we need Jesus to teach us about Jesus. That's why we need God's Word to drive us to the Word made flesh, to Jesus Christ, who lived among us and died and rose again. Listen to Jesus' response. Listen to the rebuke of Jesus. He says, Oh foolish ones. Verse 25. Oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Jesus is saying you are missing the heart of the Bible that you believe. You're missing the Old Testament and what it's all about. Notice Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say the Old Testament's just really difficult. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I know the Old Testament is hard to understand. I could see why you would have missed me coming. He doesn't say that. No, the Bible is clear. God gives us his word to reveal himself, to reveal his plan of salvation. It's not the scripture's fault that you can't understand the scripture. The Bible is written so that we might know God, so that we might know how he sent his son for us. 
No, Jesus tells us what the problem is. The issue is always the heart. The issue is always in your heart that you don't believe and surrender to Jesus. The language here, oh, foolish ones and slow to believe. It's, it's not condemning their lack of intelligence, their lack of being able to understand. No, it's a moral problem. They don't want a Savior. They want a king who would come and give power to Israel so they could reign over Rome. They're missing a Savior that must die for their sins because they're sinners. We can do this too. We, we can want a king that will give things to us instead of a king who had to come because I'm a great sinner, I'm a great rebel, and I needed a Savior to die in my place and rise again. And this is what Jesus wants them to see. He doesn't say, hey guys, it's me, I'm alive again. He wants them to see the Bible is not about you. The Bible is all about me. The Old Testament is all about Jesus, the Christ. So he takes them on this journey. Look at verses 26 and 27. He takes them on this journey. He says, was it not necessary? If you've been reading your Bibles, he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, which is shorthand for the Old Testament. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all, keyword there, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. To all the scriptures, to every page, to every verse, to every word, Pointing people to the Christ, to Jesus. Can you imagine sitting in on that Bible class on that day? You know, there's some passages you come to in the Bible, and you're like, if there was a, a moment, a, a, a place I could go in the Old Testament, in the Bible, it would be that place to walk with Jesus, to sit in on this sermon, this Bible class. So, so it's about seven miles to Emmaus. It's about, so that'd be about a two to three hour walk to Emmaus. And Jesus fills every step with an Old Testament passage that points straight to him. So for the next two or three hours, I want, I'm just kidding. Um, but I can hear Jesus, right? You can you can hear Jesus right now pointing to himself, but beginning with Moses, I can hear him say, like in Genesis 3, I am the seed of the woman. I am the seed of the woman who came to crush the head of the serpent. In Genesis 7, I, I am the true ark of refuge. 
The true ark that, that sinners could run into and hide from the flood of God's wrath. From Genesis 12 and 17, I am the offspring of Abraham through whom all the nations are blessed. From Genesis 22, I'm, I am the, the son who unlike Isaac, when his father Abraham took him up on the mountain to be killed and slaughtered, and God cried from the heavens, Abraham, Abraham, stop, and God provided a lamb from the thicket to be sacrificed in his place. Jesus says, unlike Isaac, no one yelled stop three days ago. But I became the sacrifice on the same mountain that Abraham took Isaac 2,000 years later. From Exodus, I'm the Passover lamb whose precious blood will cover over all those who put their trust in me. From Leviticus, I'm the final sacrifice, the full and final atonement made for God to be with sinners forever. From Numbers, I'm the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness so that anyone who was bit by sin can turn and look and live. From Deuteronomy, I'm the greater prophet, the one that Moses promised that the Lord would raise up that you should listen to. And then from the rest of the prophets, from the Old Testament, he keeps going. From Joshua, I'm the commander of the Lord's army who brings eternal victory to sinners. From Judges, I'm the final deliverer. From Ruth, I am the true kinsman redeemer. From First and Second Samuel, I'm the promised son of David whose kingdom shall be established forever. From Job, I'm the one who Job was talking about when he says, Behold, I know that my redeemer lives. From Psalm 118 that we read earlier, Jesus says, I am the stone that the builders rejected, that has now become the cornerstone. From Isaiah, he says, I am the suffering servant who was pierced for your transgressions, who was crushed for your iniquities. From Jeremiah 23, he says, I am the righteous branch, and my name forever is going to be the Lord is our righteous. From Daniel 7, I'm the son of man who comes on the clouds of heaven whose dominion is from everlasting. From Micah 5, I'm the ruler from the little town of Bethlehem whose coming forth was from old, from ancient of days. And from Zechariah, I am the shepherd who was struck, struck three days ago and all the sheep scattered. This is what the whole Old Testament is pointing you to. That's what Jesus has said ever since you were a little boy. Every passage that you've read, every passage that you heard, it was pointing to me. That's the Bible's message that you must believe today. You are a sinner and you desperately need a Savior, a King who would save you from your sins. And Jesus says to them, the whole Old Testament was pointing to me. 
to the Christ, a crucified, risen Christ. So the most important question that we can ask when we open our Bibles, when we open our Bibles every single day, it's not, what does this Bible say about me? What should I be doing today? How do I need to obey today? No, we open up this Bible and we say, what does this say about Jesus? Drive my heart to Jesus. My mind's attention, my heart's affection. I want it wrapped up in Christ. Oh, we should open up the Bible and on every page, every verse, beg the Holy Spirit, please show me Jesus today. But what if the passage, you might be thinking, what if the passage is not about Jesus? It's all about Jesus. Jesus just told you. It's all about Him. Our hearts should be enthralled with Jesus when we open up and read about Jesus. But we need to know more than simply knowing truths about Jesus. We need to see Jesus. We need to, for Jesus to open up our eyes so that we see Him in all His beauty, in all of His glory, in all of His grace. See, the disciples miss Jesus right in front of them. Even after Jesus shows Himself through the Old Testament, the, the disciples, it says, still can't see Jesus. They don't know it's him. And so it's getting late. They finally made it to Emmaus, made it through the Old Testament survey, and they asked Jesus, Jesus, you should probably stay with us. They say this probably because it's getting late. It's getting dark. You would not want to be on the roads late at night due to robbers. It's getting late. And so in verse, they enter in and they're sitting at the table. And listen to what it says in verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and they vanished. He vanished from their sight. In that moment, the Lord opens their eyes. In the same way that the Bible, when we read the Bible, the Bible says that the Lord opens up the heavens. The, the Lord opens up the womb of a barren woman. The, the, the Lord opens up the scriptures for them. And he even opens up the hearts of those who believe. It's the Lord who opens the heart. We sang about that earlier, that one day, when we're free from sinning, we will sing of His sovereign grace. It's the Lord, Peter says, who causes us to be born again to a living hope. And He does it here not by something they've heard or something that they've seen. I mean, something they've heard or read, but something that they've seen. Look, at the language is almost identical to Luke chapter 9, when when Jesus took the five loaves and he looked up to heaven, it says, and they blessed, he blessed them and then broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to feed the 5,000. 
or in Luke 22, when he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And right there in that moment, it's like a scene in a movie. Kind of like the end of The Sixth Sense. You know, the, the moment in a movie when everything comes together at once. And, and the Holy Spirit rushes through the hearts and the minds of these disciples. In all the Old Testament that they've read their whole lives and all that they had heard, read in the synagogues, all they saw from Jesus and heard from Jesus, now their heart fills up with this truth that it is all about Jesus. The suffering service, servant was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. He, his body was broken for me. His blood was poured out for me. And their hearts well up inside them and they say, He's alive. He's alive. This is Jesus. Right after Jesus vanishes, the passage says they look together, stunned, overwhelmed. They look at one another and say this, Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures did not our hearts burn within us did not our hearts come alive to see that it's all about jesus it's all about jesus he showed us it's all about jesus and we have seen jesus and did you notice what happens they told Jesus, Jesus, you need to come in. You need to eat with us. You need to stay here because it's getting late. It's getting dangerous. That very hour, it says they have to run back to Jerusalem to say we've seen Jesus. Jesus is alive. This is what happened to my own heart when I was 16 years old. Growing up around Jesus hearing a lot about Jesus, yet living for myself, loving myself. I was all about myself, all about my glory. Yet one night at a church camp in Rock Hill, South Carolina, my eyes were open to the glory of Jesus. My eyes were open to see that Jesus, that he died not just for sins, Jesus died for my sins. For my sins, for every sin that I ever committed, for every sin I'll ever commit in the future, Jesus died in my place. And it was in that moment that my heart burned with conviction, that my heart was overwhelmed with a greater glory that was greater than mine. With the glory and the beauty and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever taken that journey with Jesus where your heart is burning with conviction because you are a sinner, where your heart is open to see that Jesus is the only Savior? 
Maybe this moment is that moment for you where you would turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. John Wesley was a founder of Methodism, founder of the Methodist Church, and he was a great, a great instrument in the first great awakening. What some people don't really know about John Wesley is that he was around Jesus long before he knew Jesus. He went to Oxford as a young man. He studied to be in the ministry. At age 25, he was ordained to be an Anglican priest. At age 25. While he was at Oxford, he even starts a club called the Holy Club. Think about this, a holy club that was devoted to how we must live the Christian life. How we must do everything it means to be a Christian, to live the Christian life. For two years, he came to America and served at a church in Savannah, Georgia as a minister. All before his eyes were opened. One night when he was 35 years later, 10 years after he became a priest, he's feeling very defeated from an unfruitful ministry in Georgia. He's feeling depressed because of his spiritual state. And, and Wesley finds himself visiting with some spiritual Moravian brothers, going to a Bible study one evening. And this is what Wesley records in his journal, May 24th, 19, 1738. He says, In the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while, I was, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Maybe this morning, that's your story. Went to Christ Fellowship one morning, very unwillingly. And yet I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt for the first time that I collapsed all my trust in Jesus and surrendered to Christ alone for my salvation. And the flood of assurance came into my soul that he had taken away my sins. We need our hearts strangely warmed this morning. We need our eyes, the eyes of our heart open to see that it's all about Jesus. All the Old Testament, all of the Bible, all of life. Listen to how the Jesus storybook begins as I close. It says, now some people think that the Bible is a book of rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do. 
The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what He has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the Bible, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that, he, that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle. The piece that makes all other pieces fit together. And suddenly, you can see a beautiful picture. That's all about Jesus. Every page, every verse, it's all about Jesus. And once our hearts grasp that it's all about Jesus, we can finally sing with all our hearts. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible Father, we need your help. Holy Spirit, oh, help us see Jesus. All our hearts longing to see the glory and grace and beauty of Jesus, whether we know it or not, Lord, we need to see Jesus. Lord, I pray for every sinner in this place, every single one of us who are desperate and needy and broken. Lord, drive our hearts to Jesus, that we see that He is the only Savior, that all the Bible has been driving us to this plan of redemption. Father, your, your plan unfolding, that a king has come, that a king has come and he made himself nothing and he died on the cross in our place and rose again that he might redeem us that we might be his people. So Lord, would you help us today?
behold the glory of Jesus, that we might love Him, be satisfied in Him because He has loved us. Lord, would you do this for your great glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the table this morning to celebrate exactly what we've heard and what we've sung since we were a little kid, that Jesus loves us. That Jesus loves us and that all creation has been moving from every page of the Bible to every day of all eternity to drive us to the truth that Jesus loves us. That he lived for us and died for us and rose again to redeem us. So I want to invite all those who are in Christ today, all those who are trusting in Jesus, who proclaim that they're followers of Jesus through baptism, to come to this table and to rejoice maybe more fully, more clearly for the first time that his body was broken for me, that his blood was poured out for me, and that we might rejoice in our Savior, Jesus Christ, together. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you would say you've never turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus. You've never repented and run to the only Savior, the only redemption there is for sinners in Jesus Christ. Well, during this time, I'm not going to invite you to the table. I'm going to invite you to something even better. I want to invite you to cry out to Jesus. Maybe your eyes, for the first time, the eyes of your heart see that He is the only Savior. He's the only hope for your sins. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Maybe today this can be that moment for you. But for all of us who have run from our sins and run to the only Savior and put all our trust in him, let's come and let's celebrate Jesus together this morning. Let's come.
Corinthians chapter 11 says, For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray once again. Father, we rejoice today at all that we have been given in Jesus. Lord, that we can look back into eternity and see your plan, Lord. Lord, to choose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we might be holy and blameless. And Lord, how every page of the Old Testament, Lord, drives us, points us to a Savior, a Redeemer, Lord, a King, the Christ Jesus, who would come and who would live a perfect life we could never live. And who would die on a cross as a substitute in our place. And who on the third day would rise again to be the risen king to give victory forever. And so Lord, I pray that, that you would fill us with joy. Father, for all that you have given us in your son, Jesus. For all the promises that have become true in Jesus. Lord, that you would fill us with joy and that we would be in awe 
of the beauty and the glory and the grace of our Savior. Lord, we pray for those that don't know Christ in this moment. We pray that you would open their eyes, that they might see Jesus. Pray all this in the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word. Maybe for some of us, it's to sing. Just like we heard these people take a journey with Jesus, we're going to sing a song that talks about how Christ made us alive. And it's to rejoice and celebrate what Christ has done for us. Maybe for others of us, it might be to to come and to pray with a pastor or pray down here, asking the Lord to open your eyes that you might see and treasure Jesus. Myself and Pastor Jody will be standing down front. We would love to pray with you, whatever the Lord's calling us to do in response to his word. Let's do it right now. Let's stand.
You all can be seated. Amen. Let's go before the Lord and thank him for who he is and what he's been doing here. Let's pray. Father God, we have all come here with different trials and sufferings. Um, we are a desperate people in a broken world. Lord, we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you that you are a God who has created each and every single one of us. You know all the hairs on our head, Lord, and you have promised to keep us till the end. You will not let an unfinished work go. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray that you would hold us fast, that you would keep us till the end. Lord, point us to Jesus every single day. We also thank you that you are a good God. We know that your sovereignty and your goodness work hand in hand. And if either of those were not true, we would be in deep trouble. So we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you have promised to uh, give all good things to those who love you. And we pray that you would continue to do that. We thank you that uh, our greatest need has been met in Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all the scriptures, Lord. We thank you for him and that through all the trials, through all the sufferings that we face, that Jesus is there and that he has fulfilled all of our needs. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing in and through this church. We thank you even for the engaged ministry that is going on this afternoon. We pray that as our church members go out into the neighborhood and preach the gospel, um, that you would give them boldness, that you would help them to know that they're speaking truth, they're speaking the best news that could be proclaimed. So we pray, Lord, that you would save people in the neighborhood and that they would come to this church and see your glory. We also thank you for all the campus ministries that are represented here each and every Sunday. We thank you, Lord, that uh, the gospel is being proclaimed on campuses around this area, Lord. We pray boldly that there would be uh, college students who fill this church up, who love you and want to be um, baptized and want to grow in their faith and uh, become members of this church. We thank you for uh, the elders and the leaders of this church who love us and care for us um, on a daily basis. We pray that you give them wisdom and oversight as they care for us uh, and help us grow in our faith. Lord, as we turn to the offering now, we pray that you would um, help us to be generous with our resources Help, uh, help us to love this church and love our ministries um, enough to give our money and our time to it. Pray that you would use our resources to glorify your kingdom and grow it, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today as we worship our Savior. Hopefully you were encouraged to think about the great love that Christ has for us as his people. So thank you for coming. If you're a guest with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Love to get to know you. I'll be standing in the coffee room after the service. Love to get you to fill out a Connect card and we give you a gift to say thank you for, for coming today. So, uh, just a few things to let you know of what's going on this week at Christ Fellowship. Uh, as Justin prayed earlier, this afternoon at 3 o'clock during the month of April, we're going out on Sunday afternoons into this neighborhood to share the hope of Jesus, to pray with our neighbors and to build relationships with them so that they might know the grace and the love of Jesus just as we've celebrated today. So we'd love for you to come uh, and be a part of that. Today, after the service, uh, on the third Sunday of every month, we have what we call our missions advocacy teams, where we get into groups and pray for our missionaries. Uh, and so we've been praying for a missionary every third Sunday of the month as well. Today, we prayed for Mackenzie serving in Kenya. And so if you want to be a part of that, uh, we'd love for you to join us. It'll be after the service, about uh, 10, 10 minutes after 12, in the basement. If you need directions, we'll send you down there. So we'd love for you to stay uh, this after service today and pray for our missionaries. Uh, tomorrow night, we have our men's fellowship as well coming up. Uh, from 6 to 8, we'll have a meal at 6, a time of fellowship, and then worship at 7. We'll sing together. We'll hear God's word preach. Jamie Mosley, who's preached for us before, will be coming uh, to preach for us. So it'll be a great time. I encourage you to be a part of that. If you've been visiting for a while, uh, next Sunday after the service, we'll have what we call our Going Deeper Luncheon. It's about a two-hour lunch uh, where you'll learn what it means to be members at Christ Fellowship Church. Uh, so I'd love for you to be, if you've been visiting for a short time or a long time visitor, we'd encourage you to come and be a part of that lunch uh, where you can learn what it means to be a member of our church. Please see one of us so we can plan for food. If you need child care, we can arrange that as well. So I'd encourage you to come and be a part of that next Sunday. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a joy to gather every Sunday with you and to worship Jesus together. So our benediction, our closing today is going to be from Ephesians 3. If you'll stand with me, we'll read God's word over us. As we think about that great love for Christ and those disciples as their hearts burned as they thought about Jesus, and we know that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith, let's read this together. It says, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's go and let's walk with Christ this week in his love. Thank you for coming.
Rock out. 